dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. St. Paul is surely one of the most famous leaders listed in the entire Bible. His life reads like a passionate saga and is full of lessons for those of us who, being Christians, want to follow in his footsteps leading in our world. That's why his second letter to St. Timothy is so important. It actually chronicles St. Paul's final letter in the New Testament to one of his closest disciples. Chapter 3 of this letter offers us wonderful insights into faith's capacity to bring us endurance. All right, everyone, we're in chapter 3 here of St. Paul's second letter to St. Timothy, and we find ourselves you know, struck by a concept that a lot of us as leaders are familiar with from a human point of view, but which we seldom get to really understand or appreciate in our Christian lives. And that is the fact that endurance is essential to leadership. Endurance through persecutions, endurance through failures, endurance through hardships. And I think this is fascinating because as my work with leaders, what constantly comes back as the reason why we stumble and struggle so much isn't things that come from the outside as much as it is the perfectionism that we have in our own minds, especially with younger leaders or new entrepreneurs. It's amazing how we all think it's supposed to be easy. <laughs> you know, you talk with folks and they, they're working at their business. They're, they're, they have a family on the side at home. And what we have in our head is some sort of ideal that we've gotten from either commercials or reading too much business news, where essentially we think that a startup environment is supposed to be this joyful meeting of friends who collaborate over cups of coffee sitting on couches. (laughs) And when instead our sales are minimal and our investors don't want to deal with us and our customers tell us that our branding is confusing, Well, we do the natural thing. We turn inward and we say, this is impossible and I'm doing it all wrong and I'm probably a failure in business. And when you're in, when you're at the bottom of the pole, you might be able to say that, but when you're the company's president or the effective CEO, or you're in a small group of peers who are trying to launch something and you've all got skin in the game and you've all invested your own time, you can't say that. You're not getting paid or you're not in the leadership position to tell everybody that you're a bad leader. And that makes it even worse, right? Because then all of a sudden, not only do you feel like a failure, but you can't say it because that'll be the end of you and that'll be the end of your leadership. And frankly, you just have too much invested to see yourself fail in that way. And so you hang on, but you hang on the whole time convinced that it's all your fault and that you can't make it. And I wonder if actually that's the healthy thing, not just because like it's going to be your downfall to not believe in yourself, but because maybe it's just not right, period. Meaning that maybe the problem isn't that you have problems. 
I think that the problem isn't problems. The problem is having problems with problems. That's the problem. <laughs> In other words, if you really want to get down to it, life is full of pain. Life is full of problems. And it's not necessarily whether they're your fault or not. Yes, the problem might be your fault. You might be the one who caused all of this turmoil. And so what of it? What leader hasn't been the cause of their own turmoil? Let I me mean, name one. I mean, you know, Caesar, Julius Caesar, he had all kinds of personal issues, personal problems that caused problems in his own leadership. Uh, Thomas Edison, what he was flawed to the core. Thomas Edison, he had all kinds of of flaws and and those flaws caused him all kinds of problems. He'd move on from one invention to the next, leaving projects in people's hands. Then he would micromanage the way that they rolled it out. Then he would change things, fire people, move to different companies, wouldn't communicate, stayed away from his wife for hours and days on end in his in his laboratory. He he wasn't faithful even to his own friends. They would come, they'd be he'd be faithful to him for a while, and then all of a sudden he'd turn their back. He had people who didn't like him. I mean. And this is one of the greatest inventors of all time. I mean, I think he is the greatest inventor of all time. Could you imagine that some of his own difficulties were caused by himself? Absolutely. So let's let's knock that right out from the start because we say, oh, it must be my fault. And then we turn inward and we allow all the people around us to say, yeah, it is your fault. You're not a nice person. You're not pleasant to deal with, whatever it might be. And we end up giving up because of those issues that aren't even really from the outside, they're from within ourselves. That is that we can't deal or cope with the fact that we are imperfect and that we cause problems. You do a lot more than causing problems, I'd like to have you know, and that's that you also cause success. That you are a mixed bag, everybody. I just want you to hear it straight up. You're a mixed bag and you're gonna be a mixed bag until you die. The fact is you're here to do some good. And if you wait to be perfect in order to do the good that you are called to do, then you will never do anything at all. And honestly, I think this is really where our culture is today and the environment that we have of leadership today. It calls for such a level of perfection that nobody even dares to take the helm. But I wanna be careful about that because actually, yes, People are taking the helm. The gravely imperfect who relish in their imperfection are taking the realm of leadership because those of us who are mixed bags and who aren't perfect people have called ourselves incompetent for leadership. While those who don't even pretend to try to be good end up taking the helm and saying, thank you to everyone for leaving the leadership vacuum. We're gonna lead the world. And isn't this exactly what we see in first in second Timothy chapter three here? He says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. That's how he opens chapter three. St. Paul is describing for St. Timothy a fundamental truth. Someone is always going to be leading. If it's not you, if it's not a Christian, if it's not someone who's filled with God's grace, it will be someone else. It might not be a Christian and it might be someone who has no idea who God is. 
Will our world be better off? Because those of us who are Christians also are imperfect in our leadership. And I'm not even talking about moral imperfection. I'm talking about just not being a good manager, <laughs> not being a super good communicator, not having a tough skin when criticism comes, not being able to be without ambition in your life. All these little flaws that are in our core that make us want to stop and say, because I have this, I shouldn't continue. I just want you to hear this. If you don't continue, someone else will take over who might not give a darn about God or godliness. And the question is, will that leader be any better? Will our world be better off? Will the poor be better defended? Because Christians who are flawed in one way or another abdicate the roles of service that leadership requires of them. I think not. Does your family matter? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a family mission infographic that will help you focus on your family. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So I think that we all have to acknowledge that, listen, when you're in a startup environment or when you are trying to run your own company, it is the best way to be made aware of your faults and failings. A little bit like when you start to have children and they point out to you all of your idiosyncrasies and all of your contradictions. It's amazing. You thought you were wonderful and then you have two or three toddlers around or two or three five-year-olds around and they just notice everything that goes wrong. And, and you thought to yourself, man, it was a lot easier when no one noticed. But now I can't hide. I can't hide the fact, even from myself, that I'm a flawed person. Well, you start running a company and the same thing's going to happen. You thought that you were good. You were good. You thought you were perfect. You thought that you had no problems. And so you started this endeavor. And then everyone around you starts to point out, oh, you totally lack understanding. Oh, you, you interrupt people all the time. Oh, we don't, you don't get your way. You throw a temper tantrum, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you realize, man, this actually could be a, an incredible grace. The grace of leadership is that by seeing all of those flaws, I'm able to turn to God with true humility and beg for his grace in my life. I actually have the grace that many of the people who work for me might not have. And that is the ability to truly repent, understand better how flawed that I am. Will I for as much abdicate my leadership? Well, obviously, sometimes, yeah, you shouldn't be in a leadership position, especially if you have grave moral failings. I'm not so much referring to that. I'm referring to it more as the personality flaws that can cause all kinds of turmoil or even the bad business sense that can sometimes happen. Even great business people make bad decisions. You know, there's a famous quote by Michael Jordan that I think is amazing. He says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. This is perhaps the greatest basketball player ever to play, right? But he's missed more than 9,000 times. He says, I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. That's why I succeed. Great quote. Right? 26 times they said, Michael, take the game-winning shot. You're our best. And he missed. 
This is something you don't hear about all the time, right? Well, how many times you're going to make bad decisions? You're going to lose money for the company. How many times you're going to fire the wrong person or hire the wrong person? You're going to do that a lot. And in our leadership, we need to have the sense that there's something stronger inside of me than what perfection can give. In the end, perfection is kind of a weak attribute because even if I'm perfect, that my perfection could be taken away at any second. Wouldn't it be something if I was so strong in my leadership that I could even weather the mistakes that I make or the mistakes that my company makes? What, if, what do I need inside of myself to be better than a perfect track record? Well, my friends, I actually think this is the Christian difference. This is why Christianity can give us such power in our leadership itself. Because when we have Christ within us, we're relying not upon our own perfections, but we're relying upon his strength and his approval in our life. And this might not make us great business people, but it will make us free. Free from the failures that we can produce, free from the effects and the consequences even of our own mistakes, free from the failure that the business situations around us can produce, free from, it makes us someone, other words, who says, I'm not standing upon my own perfections, I'm standing upon the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. And so, yes, that doesn't necessarily make me competent or even worthy of leading an organization. But if the, for those who are leading an organization and have that conviction of Christ within them, we have a resiliency inside of ourselves that allows us to be creative even in environments that are difficult and allows us to be inventive and resourceful and consistent even in situations where everyone else would say there's every reason to give up, every reason to say that we can't make it. Jesus is the source of a constant innovative energy. And faith in Christ is a source of endurance and constancy for those of us who follow him. I might not be able to control the market conditions. I might not be able to control the minds of my investors. I might not be able to find a winning marketing strategy for something. But I can have the peace in my heart that says that no matter what I do or no matter how I struggle, my life is in the hands of something greater. That someone greater than me is calling me and using my talents for his glory and for his purpose. And sometimes that might be by sitting out on the sideline. I might not always be the leader. I might not always be at the head of an organization. I might have to take the consequences of my own personal failures or my own inadequacies in stride. But my life is being used by God for an amazing purpose. And wherever I am, I will continue to lead. And so as long as I'm at the helm of my company, as long as I'm at the head of my family, then let me do all the good that I can while I'm there. And may we never forget that God loves us independently of our leadership in the world. That his love for us is the cause of our leadership in the world. I am leading as an act of service to my king who has given me the talents and given me the drive and summoned me to a position of authority over his people 
so that I can serve them in his name. But in the end, it's between him and me. And his love for me is bigger than my leadership. It's bigger than what we do. Guys, like that, that fundamental freedom that comes from an unconditional love of God for you is the source of the activities and the dynamism that can even take place during adversity. Adverse conditions, hardships on a team, jealousies, envies, betrayals from our own staff, from our own team, from our own co-founders, from people that were supposed to be in this all the way through and they try a hostile takeover on you. They do a coup, they change the locks in your own business. I mean, you can have all kinds of situations that come up. I mean, when your board turns against you, then what are you supposed to do? I mean, you were the one that started the board. Well, now the board's been taken over by this or that person, your job's at stake. And you can just turn inward and say, there is no point to my life. Everything is taken away from me. And perhaps it's my own fault. The, the interesting thing about life is that no one ever thinks that they're wrong. Even the people that are doing wrong do wrong because they think that they're doing good. And so they'll turn on you and they'll say, the reason why we're turning against you. It's because of you. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have said this. You should. And maybe they're right and maybe they're wrong. But it has this corrosive effect on your soul to be accused of being a terrible person or a failure in a humanity just because you tried. And maybe you did make mistakes. But the fact is, it'd be so much easier to simply hide under the guise of being good than to try and to fail and be convicted of your faults. In today's culture, that conviction goes very far and very deep, and it scares the bejeebers out of all of us. That's why we need St. Paul in his second letter to St. Timothy, chapter 3, to speak to us his inspiring words. Because he says, your faith needs endurance. Don't be afraid to be constant in the face of these challenges. Would you like your business to become a virtuous workplace? Would you like Father Nathan to come to an event in your town? Visit www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash r-events and join for free today. So let's open up St. Paul's second letter to St. Timothy chapter 3 and begin in verse 10 here. He says, You, however, Timothy, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Now, unlike St. Timothy, a lot of us actually aren't aware of all those things because we don't read our Bibles. So Christians, listen, you've got to read your Bible. God's word, as it says here later on in the same chapter, is God breathed, it's inspired, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's exactly what I'm trying to do here. I mean, this is what we're trying to do at the St. John Leadership Network. Take the scriptures, take the Bible, and help train those who are in charge of organizations, those who lead organizations, in righteousness. How do we lead our people, our businesses, our families, whatever organizations we're in charge, how do we do that as God would have us do it? You can't understand without the Bible. 
Now I understand it's mysterious. There's a lot in there that's hard, but there's a lot in there that you really can grasp. And I want to break down for you what St. Paul is saying here. Because in, in verse 10, he says, listen, if you looked at my life, you would understand that I've had persecutions against me, that I have had to suffer, that I have had to endure during hardships. There are three different things that really can make us sit up straight and say, what, even St. Paul? Then he lists them off. He says, I mean, Antioch, in Antioch, his own people were turned against him by Christians who came from Jerusalem. In other words, came from where St. Peter was and who started to tell his people that they could not be saved, that Paul had made a mistake in the way that Paul was teaching them about Christianity. So you had a fight where the, the, the disciples who were formed by St. Peter and the disciples who were formed by St. Paul had a conflicting message and where St. Paul's disciples were being turned against him by St. Peter's disciples. It's in Acts chapter 15. Take a look. In Iconium and in Lystra, St. Paul was driven out of town and actually stoned. And it's really interesting that he mentions specifically Iconium and in Lystra because this is at the end of his life that he's writing this letter. And what happened at those cities was at the very beginning of his ministry. The very first time St. Paul set out on the road to preach, he ended his missionary trip by being stoned, being almost killed, dragged out in the desert and having rocks thrown at his head. And he remembers this at the end of his life. He's like, Timothy, you should know this, that I went through such devastation. They wrote me off, wrote me off as dead. Why do we think that we're, it's any different for us? Why do we somehow have that in our mind that hardships, persecutions, sufferings are signs that we are a mistake or that we've made mistakes? I, 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 the image of a leader that's often in my head is that of a ship plowing through the seas, right? The ship is made for the waves. The fact that the waves raise the ship up and throw it down again, and that it, we have to crash through these walls of water that are around us, doesn't mean that, in fact, we're failing. It means that we're sailing. <laughs> yeah. And a ship is not made to stay in port. A ship is made to face those seas. Don't be afraid, in other words, of adversity and challenge. That's why you're at the helm of leadership. And will you make mistakes? Absolutely. But will life be hard on you? Absolutely. And St. Paul will even say this is true of every Christian. Look at verse 12. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. This is an amazing revelation here. St. Paul's like, listen, St. Timothy, just get this in your head. You are going to be persecuted. You are going to have people lie about you and betray you. And I'd like to add to it a little bit even more and say, sometimes they're even right. I mean, I'd like to add to that, that St. Timothy, you're also gonna be shown your own failures. And you're going to have pointed out to you that you're a hypocrite or that you do things that are wrong. I'm going to add to that because for us in the inside today, I don't want you to get the idea that somehow all the things come from the outside. 
In our world today, everyone's even going to point out the things that come from the inside. And in both of these things, St. Paul is saying, it's right there. While those who don't even try, those who do evil, they're just going to keep on going on and it's going to seem like they do it with impunity. So what are we supposed to do? St. Paul, you can almost imagine him looking St. Timothy in the eye and he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now there are two words here that are the key. The first is, he says, continue, right? So the Greek word for that is mene, which is deeper than the word continue. It means to abide or remain, right? So the very first thing St. Paul says in his advice here is even in the midst of all of this and all of the persecutions that are going to come your way, you need to remain, mene. Now, this is in direct line with what St. Paul says about himself when he says, you know of my endurance, right? The word in, in, that he uses there is hypomene, hypomene. To, hypo is, to, to, is to how I was overly endurance, mene and hypomene. So hypomene, St. Paul is saying, like, you know how much I endured no matter what. And so I'm asking you to now also endure. To, to the same verb that he uses that's translated for endurance, he now commands St. Saint, Saint Timothy to have, saying you need to remain. And the second thing that he says of him is that you have a conviction. Your convictions, the things you have been made firm with, that you have been assured of, epistothes in Greek, these same things are what give you the ability to endure. And so it is with us. People will say, Father Nathan, what does faith have to do with business? I say, it has as much to do with business as you have to do with business. Because faith is what makes you convicted. And your convictions are the source of your leadership. We lead out of our convictions. We endure thanks to our convictions. Our convictions make us able to remain innovative, creative, and resourceful no matter what comes our way, even if it be difficulties, challenges, things that come from the inside, things that come from the outside. We remain in our conviction that God has so loved the world and so loved us to ask us to give everything that we've got in his service as a leader. And we continue to try our best, knowing that we will fail, acknowledging with humility all of our faults, but not quitting either, just because it's hard. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.